passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, June 11th, 2023. And I'm joined for the first time in a couple weeks by both, both Chris Gullo. Hello. Say hello. Hello. It's good to be back. And Jesse Collings. Yes. How are uh, you? We're, we're doing like a brand split thing, but this is like the pay-per-view that me and Gullo have to get along yes. by, by being together. A soft brand split. Uh, it's not strictly enforced. Sometimes one of you is here. Sometimes the other. Only, oh, only if one of us challenges the other person, then they can, then they can be on the other show. Do you, do you want to tell us, Gullo, about where you were last week? Uh, well, two weeks ago, I was in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, and uh, it's a city I've been kind of scoping out, but possibly living there in the future. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just are you going to leave Buffalo? You're going to betray Buffalo, New York? Uh, you know. Uh, I've, Buffalo's given me everything it has, <laughs> so we're looking other op- other options. So no, yeah, I'm looking at possibly living in a tiny house community out there. It's a very vegan friendly city. Uh, I love my craft beer. So there's there's their nickname Beer City. They fight Grand Rapids for it. So like, uh, do you, do you watch the tiny house videos on YouTube? Yes. Yeah, we you do with 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 the New Zealand guy, the guy from New Zealand, uh, probably. I, listen, I've watched so many. My wife has sent me so many tiny house videos. They all like, get kind of blended together. But yeah, so people may not understand what you're talking yeah. about, especially Americans. A tiny house is what? Um, it is a house that's. I mean, it could be less than that, but normally it's around like 200, 250 feet to about four hundred square feet. Uh, once it gets past four hundred, it's debated if it's a tiny house or not. But it's literally everything in that little space your kitchen your bathroom your living room usually there'll be a loft to the bedroom or like it's very condensed it's, it's very very condensed. very very space efficient yes. right space efficient minimalistic uh, you know it's supposed to also help cut down on water use and electric use and you know it's supposed to be really reducing a carbon footprint more so that you you can, you can feel like you're better than other people is that <laughs> what it's about you know, maybe not. Just joking. Uh, but yeah, I, I tell you, I stayed in one uh, to get the experience that it was surprisingly more comfortable than I thought it was going to be. So anything new, Jesse, how are the, how are the Celtics doing in, in the playoffs here? Uh, the Celtics lost. They're, oh. they're, they're long gone. Okay. Yes. Uh, the NBA finals are game f- five, no, six, six, no, five. Yeah, game five, five is Monday night. Monday versus Raw. And mm-hmm. and then and then they're free and clear of of wrestle, wrestling ratings because if game seven if necessary will be on Thursday or no game six if necessary will be on Thursday. I don't know when game seven will be. I was looking at this just a little while ago. Um, but anyway, we will talk today about Roman Reigns, his big the the big rating celebration. No, the big one thousand day title 
rain celebration and things of that nature. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about AEW collision, which is debuting this coming Saturday. Can you believe in, in, in when we record this show again, seven days from now, AEW collision will be in the books. Um, we won't have a rating yet for it. Jesse just reminded me that we may have, by the time we record, maybe we'll, there'll be a fast national out there, but who knows? Um, and we will discuss, uh, AEW house shows, maybe some pay-per-view buys and things of that nature. But um, if you want to participate today with the Super Chat, if you're watching live on YouTube, you are encouraged to Super Chat. And we will read your question live or your comment live on the air here. Um, so we have some housekeeping here. So Pollock and Thurston is now, I think officially, a weekly podcast that's happening both on the post wrestling feed and on the WrestleMomics radio feed. Uh, that's me and John Pollock. We're having a guest, uh, almost every time we're having a guest, uh, that's in the middle of the week. That's on our YouTube channels as well. Free for everybody. Um, and that means we're, we're, we're changing our strategy a little bit here. So it's still going to be the case. WrestleMomics radio, this podcast that you're listening to right now will still be free. Um, every first episode of the month, every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, uh, beginning in July, the first episode of the month will still be free. But then after that, beginning July 9th, this will be a Patreon only podcast. Um, this has to do with some scheduling things to help out post wrestling. Um, this will also, because there's a, a, a Pollock and Thurston podcast that's happening that is free. I've decided I want to put something that's really good behind the paywall for our subscribers. There's no difference in the in the price. It's not a ten dollar tier, a twenty dollar tier, a thousand dollar tier. It's still five dollars uh, for everybody in addition to everything else that's part of the Patreon. Um, and I think we're going to work out a way so that subscribers, if you're listening to this Patreon only podcast, you do not have to do a super chat to ask a question. We'll have you like at WrestleNomics. You can ask all the questions that you want and we'll really unleash the, the subscribers uh, uh, th thoughts into this podcast, perhaps. Um, and our, do I have anything else here? This is what the Patreon completely offers, all that stuff. And um, we will have an, another guest this coming week for Pollock and Thurston, which uh, will be one of our biggest guests that we've yet had. Uh, I believe it will be revealed a major announcement. It will be a major announcement that will be revealed, uh, on rewind a raw with John and way tomorrow on Monday night, uh, when they review raw. So check that out. Um, are okay. they going to cut, cut, cut away from the, the show and then get John Pollock reading a very nervously, very reading a piece of paper to announce perhaps, uh, who the new person is going to be perhaps, um, <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to there, but okay. Uh, so you don't know what I'm referring to? Yes, I no, no, yes I do. I know I do know what you're referring to. Yes. Um, so first, WWE. We I do have the the fast affiliate for last night's show. It's it's not as high as this one, but last week Friday, this was what 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 day was this? I don't know. June. Let me look at the calendar here. June second on Fox. No NBA competition to go up against. There was, the SmackDown rating was down the last few weeks here. You can see in the line chart. SmackDown was, was, was not as high as it had been. Still a little bit over 2 million viewers. But this one, 2.5 million viewers. 2.563 million viewers for SmackDown on Fox. 0.73 in the demo. Blew away everything else 
on television on Friday in the demo. Um, for the Roman Reigns 1,000-day celebration, we have the quarter hours here uh, in video on the screen here. And uh, you can see the dotted line chart showing you the dotted line showing you what the normal trend is here. I mean, all the quarters were above where this show usually is, but the last two quarters especially went way up. 2.9 million viewers was what the final 15 minutes of this show averaged. And in terms of a demo rating, the final 15 minutes of this show averaged in a 0.87, 0.87 in the demo was the, the P18 to 49 national rating. Uh, uh, 2.9 million viewers. I, I have not seen minute by minutes, but it's possible that some of these minutes were over 3 million viewers. In any case, this is the highest single quarter hour that in my relatively limited data set I've ever seen. Um, since, tw- since early 2022, I have, I believe, all of the quarter hours for all the major W shows. I have all the, cor- all the quarter hours for all the EW shows ever. And... I, I do not have a quarter hour data point as big as this one was for the final 15 minutes with the Roman Reigns and the Usos and Solo Sokoa uh, celebrating the 1000 day title reign of Roman Reigns uh, and, and all the, uh, the bloodline storyline stuff unfolding there. So I usually say that, that, you know, quarter hours, it's easy. You know, they're pretty ambiguous. You can, you know, think any narrative into some of this stuff. But sometimes it's pretty undeniable. And like the combination of the show itself apparently dr- drove a lot of tune in. This, the entire show was highly viewed. And especially the thing that pretty almost undeniably here is, is driving why people were tuning in. You look at the last two quarter hours, which was almost entirely that angle. And that's what really drove viewership up. So... um I think that's a pretty clear case. We did have, I, I guess, I, I put this other slide here. This is the this is the dynamite quarter hours, and we did have the MJF and Adam Cole promo, uh, which appeared to pop the rating here throughout the course of Dynamite on Wednesday night, um, to a decent degree. I mean, up eleven percent from quarter to quarter. It had no ads in it. Um, and did the, by the way, did the? Uh, I guess there was there was an ad break between, I guess Triple H giving Reigns the title and. And then Reigns and the Usos having their uh, their their meet and greet, so no ads there. And I think things do get a little bit ambiguous here. This is this is a a mildly strong case, I would say, for the Adam Cole and, and MJF promo, just because the margin versus the usual trend was so large. We're, we're talking about a ten point difference or a twelve point difference here, and uh, yeah. In in total viewership in the demo, it's like a ten point difference. So usually I like these boxes up when they're a five point difference, um, and as opposed to this, this was a fourteen point difference in the demo, uh, eleven point difference in total viewership, and then it continues to grow in the following quarter. Um, so I would say you know this is sort of a mild case of I am I'm willing to attribute success to the content here. Uh, versus this one, which is, I think the this this final segment is pretty attributable to this entire course being up a lot higher than it usually is. I mean, you factor in the lack of NBA competition as well. Uh, but what drove SmackDown to have its highest rating of the year so far, its highest demo since the Christmas 2020 episode that had the NFL lead in, um, I have to give give credit to, where is he? I know we'll talk about YouTube, there he is. 
There he is. He, was, he looked straight into the camera. I don't know if Jesse Collins saw this, but I, I, feel, I feel like he was looking at you. Did you get that sense? That he was looking at me? Yes. Um, I actually haven't seen the segment, so I, I, this is the first time I've seen this still. Uh, he, he did it in vain then. He looked at the – he was saying something about acknowledgement, and then he looked right into the camera, and he looked at you, I think, and said, acknowledge me. Well, you know, if there's one thing WWE trained wrestlers are good at, it's looking right into the camera. That's very that's rare. the number one thing that they do. Um, um, yes, no, but ahead. this is what you want. This is what you want, right? If you're WWE, you spent a thousand days putting the title, you know, it's a thousand day title celebration, which means he's had the title for, you know, for two and a half years, almost three years now. Uh, they've obviously been teasing the descent between, you know, the Usos and Roman Reigns for years. They've, tiptoed towards the line. They've gone back towards it. They got pretty close to doing it. Then one of them got arrested. So they had to back off. Um, and so this is what you want though. If you're WWE, it's just, if we're going to start actually doing this storyline, executing the breakup after teasing it for years and years, a lot of people are interested in it. So it's a huge success from that perspective in that sense. Um, like, do you get, I don't know, like, I guess like you could say, it is were people tuning in because they wanted to see Roman Reigns get a new title and celebrate his 1,000 days, or were people tuning in because they knew that there was going to be something involving the Usos and Roman Reigns? It's probably a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I'd seem to think it's towards the latter. I think people are more interested in like the storyline development yeah. rather than just a celebration of 1,000 days. Um, I think the milestone was a good promotional vehicle to, to help – gather awareness that this is happening and and the combination of the angle that happened mm-hmm. on the Saudi Arabia show intrigue and it'll, it'll be very interesting because I think that we're gonna if they're starting to move the ball forward on this storyline it's probably going to be a, 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 a very slowly progressing storyline I assume it's going to take weeks and weeks and months and months uh, for it to be fully explored so it'll be interesting to see uh, how much of that viewership they can maintain. Theoretically, if this is just the first step of the implosion, you would want to see the number keep going up and up. I don't know if that's really feasible given how big this first number was in terms of the storyline. I know they were down this past week, although that has probably a lot to do with the competition that they were facing. The NBA Finals um, was was Friday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it looks like yeah. it's going to be, what did, what did I say on Twitter? It looks like around 1.4 to one point. I'll uh, keep talking. I'll tell you in a minute. 1.4 to 1.5. I don't think it's that high. No, uh, I, I, I said 2.29 to 2.41. Yeah, but still pretty good. Like even compared to the previous final weeks, right? Or NBA yes. playoff competition. weeks. Yes. Like above yes. what they had been doing the previous like three or four weeks uh, before this big number. But it'll be interesting to see, especially as we get to the summer and the competition on, you know, Friday nights becomes even uh, less competitive with both the NBA finals and the NHL playoffs wrapping up uh, probably this week um, where, how, how, how I think the, int- how consistent is the interest in the storyline? Are they going to be doing a 0. 0.72, 0. 0.73 or higher each week? Um, how much higher are they going to be doing than what they were doing before? I think that'll be really interesting to see because logically speaking, if this is only the first chapter, there should be a lot more, potential intrigue and interest if they continue to deliver what, what fans expect. Yeah. And if we look at YouTube, um, so I, I, what I did, this, this is another report that's on the Patreon. I looked at the top 25 videos for WWE throughout May. So this is the criteria here is you, you, the video had to be published or 
to be more technical here. My script had to find it for the first time sometime within the month of May. And then the most viewed video is Jimmy Uso did what to Roman Reigns. These are highlights of the WWE Night of Champions uh, pay-per-view that did 3.7 million views uh, at last count anyway. Um, Carlito making his return is another big one. I, I grayed out here the things that are just generic highlights. Um, Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest. Cody Rhodes tries to ambush Brock Lesnar. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar highlights of the Backlash pay-per-view. Rome Reigns and Solo Sokolo want the tag team titles. Jimmy Uso, I am the tribal chief. Massive reveal, 12 superstars announced for the World Championship uh, Heavyweight Championship. Uh, the Usos, no good, very bad day. I feel like I'm just saying random words now. Uh, Zayn and Owens versus Reigns and Sokoa. Rhodes and Knight of Champions and Styles, something with Seth Rollins here. So there's a lot of a lot of bloodline stuff within that, as well as some Cody and and um, Brock and, of course, some Bad Bunny. Of course, Carlito in there. <laughs> to, to add on but, what Jesse said, the bloodline storyline, how much momentum can it carry through the summer? You know, the big thing with that June 2nd reigning was, yes, you had the thousand days, but you also had the NBA finals the night before and the NHA finals the next day. So there was literally no competition at all. Can they carry a similar rating all through summer when there is no competition with how successful the storyline is by Chris Gullo. No, I acknowledge the travel chief. Don't get me wrong. I acknowledge the travel chief. It's just, it's the summer and summer, you know, you're getting not acknowledging Mark Cuban's shark tank though. Apparently (laughs) I, I've been on here. I've acknowledged but I'm interested to see because they've taken the storyline now into another direction. They're really stretching this. I mean, and it's been successful so far. But- mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think Roman Reigns has never been more of a difference maker relative to his overall, relative to his peers in this time. You know, um, we, we've we've done the episode. I don't want to do, it, do the episode again about whether or not Roman Reigns is a draw. Um, I think the, the the ultimate conclusion that people are, are would be interested in the answer to is that I, I think yes, he's 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 making a difference now. Um, I think there's reasonable questions around was was it an, an efficient investment since 2014 or 2015? Obviously, Vince and WWE put a lot of resources into getting him over, and it could have clearly, to my view, been been done in a more efficient way than it was. In any case, in this time, 2023, in this title reign, I think as a really key component, he has become a a, a a very important star and the, the central star to a storyline that no Sami Zayn here, by the way, no Sami Zayn. This, well, this, this, this I, I think angle. it's totally indisputable at this moment that Roman Reigns and the bloodline is the big, biggest drawing act right now in, in WWE, as far as terms and this rating really hammers at home that yes, you can say that, you know, his, you know, working with Cody, obviously Cody was, was a big star and obviously the Sami Zayn feud and things like that. You could say Sami Zayn was the real big star, as far as like drawing interest, but I think definitely, especially related to this rating, um, that Roman and in the bloodline and the Usos and the whole storyline is the main driving factor for this number being as large as it was. And it was, and it was really because people were interested in that. And that the quarter hours show that, um, I know the quarter hours, like you mentioned, are not perfect and that you can't extrapolate too much from them. But when the difference is that big, um, it makes sense. Um, and I think I, I want to say, and I guess this is, I, I'm, I'm sensing this is a little bit of my own taste of influencing. I get, so I, I, I think the, the, the long title reign has really supported 
the storyline as being important. Like the, the the main character here is Roman Reigns, and he is important because he appears dominant because he has been the champion and has not been beaten for a thousand days. Yeah, I'd hope so. That's all basic booking, though. Like, yeah, you would imagine that the person that you never beat feels important. Um, and sometimes WWE struggled to do that. Um, a lot of times with their baby faces, they beat them all the time and then wonder why nobody cares about them. But obviously, booking someone to be completely unbeatable for years and years and years makes them feel important. And having them never lose the title makes the title, therefore, feel important. This is the most successful title reign WWE has had as far as adding prestige to a title, making a title feel important. Eventually, when he loses the title, it's probably going to be hugely important. This is the most successful of that period that WWE has had uh, in a long, long time because they've actually committed to something for a long period of time. Yeah. The, the, the most successful title reign since who should we, who should we stop at Bruno? I mean, I don't know. Like you could, yeah. So like, as far as like an extremely long title reign, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd have to go back probably to like Hulk Hogan. Hulk right? Hogan. Yeah. Right. Um, I would say like, I mean, I would go back to things like John Cena's original world title reign, um, which I think really firmly established him after he beat JBL at WrestleMania 21. Um, and then there were some hiccups. He wasn't perfect after he, you know, he wasn't super, super, duper, duper over after he won that title. But I think that original title reign really firmly established John Cena as the next big star in WWE. And that led to 10 years of him being a, a really huge difference maker for them um, on whenever he would be on shows. Um, so that's probably as far back as I would go. Um, but you could go back further as far as like the length of a title reign, making a title feel important. Yeah. So, and t- just to look at the AEW YouTube views as we just did for WWE, um, AEW, their YouTube channel, they do things a little bit differently. They don't put out highlights or top tens like, like WWE does for each TV show. So it's basically all TV segments. Um, the, the steel cage match between o- Omega and Moxley was the number one video for May for AEW's official YouTube channel, followed by Sabu. The return of Sabu was a, was a YouTube draw anyway, um, and, and some other things. I'm, I won't read through them all if you're looking at the video on YouTube or if you, you want to look at the slides later. Uh, that's all in there. I don't know if you see anything interesting. Either of you coming off of this, we've got, some, I don't know, Naturally Limitless and, and, the, and the Mogul Affiliates. Uh, the Double or Nothing pay-per-view main event, the Firm Deletion at the Hardy Compound, Adam Cole is furious with Chris Jericho, Soraya steals the victory for the Outcasts, and Sheeta returns. The list goes on there. Um, so, there he is. Um, again, if you want to submit a super chat, go ahead. Um, so, in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, I had Jesse find this for me. So, Dave wrote in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, this week about pay-per-view buys for AEW. Uh, for the second show in a row, AEW television pay-per-view numbers have grown tremendously in the second week after the show. Between what was reported on June 1 and June 7, there was a 12.8% increase in buys. Right now, the number for Double or Nothing is up almost 1% from that of Revolution, the same number of days after the show. So that would indicate probably 140,000 or more buys, depending on how the next two weeks go. But given most of the predictions going in regarding the idea the main event was weak or the main event build was weak or whatever. <laughs> At the end of the day, the numbers wound up in the same range as Forbidden Door around 140,000. With Late Buys, Revolution finished slightly ahead of those shows. And this show, based on same-day numbers, is very slightly ahead of that figure. So if I'm understanding this right, um, 
this this will be one, two, three, four, five, the fifth consecutive show that's around one hundred and forty thousand. Um, I feel fairly confident in the numbers uh, all out and before, and I haven't been following this and, and asking as as aggressively as I have in the past about the ones following it. Um, in, at the Full Gear press conference after the Full Gear pay per view in November, I asked Tony, and he said around one hundred and forty. Granted, that's with digital, basically, they probably know digital that night. They don't know the, the count of traditional as well. Um, and I believe after Revolution, I was not there for Revolution in San Francisco, but I believe after Revolution, he said something similar uh, about buys for Revolution. Dave here saying Revolution with late buys finished a little bit above 140. Uh, and Double or Nothing looking to be a little bit above 140, depending on how the traditional pay-per-view buys get counted. So... That's, I guess that's encouraging considering other factors post CM Punk not being around for almost a year have been weaker um, in terms of TV ratings, in terms of ticket sales. So these, these are better numbers than I would expect. Would you agree? Right. When you look at, um, like you said, attendance and TV ratings have dipped since September of 2022. Um, I would, you know... I think being going, having only, I guess, five pay-per-views now a year helps in the sense that people are willing to make that quarterly commitment kind of regardless of whether or not they're as tuned in to the week-to-week product as they would be, especially because the shows tend to hold, um, obviously, a high standard. Like, Revolution, obviously, was a very well-received pay-per-view. Double or Nothing really was not uh, nearly as well-received as Revolution, but I think that most fans see them as a worthwhile people that have been buying them, see them as a worthwhile investment. Um, and it's made that investment may transcend um, the kind of week to week habitual watching that maybe has declined uh, in certain ways. I, I would say that makes sense. I mean, pay-per-view is, is the product that is for your most loyal fans, your, your most hardcore fans. And I don't mean like hardcore in the they like a certain kind of wrestling hardcore, but but hard to, hard to break fans, you know. And that these are the people that are furthest down the funnel. You'll have the people that were, who are higher up on the funnel, who are on, kind of on the fringes, who may fall in and out of television viewing, may fall in and out of going to a show. But the people who are, you know, who have committed to one way or another watching this pay per view and and driving somebody to spend fifty dollars, um, that hasn't changed as much. Yeah, and well, I also think anecdotally, like, I think there are a decent amount of people, probably more than people think, that don't watch Dynamite each week, but are fairly loyal pay-per-view buyers. I think there are people that understand that they may not have the time or the uh, interest in watching two hours of Dynamite every single week, but, you know, every few months when the pay-per-view rolls around they're familiar with the stars or and they're familiar with the kind of presentation of AEW's product, they're going to, to make that purchase. I know anecdotally, of course, several people that I know that are not necessarily regular watchers of AEW, but watch have tend to watch most of the pay-per-views. And I know that they purchased double or nothing. And I heard them say that they enjoyed the show more than a lot of the hardcore fans that I know um, said. So I do think that the infrequency um, of the show combined with the standard quality um, allows people who maybe even if they're not super invested week to week in the product to, to, to make the decision to purchase the pay-per-view kind of similar how people will 
maybe not watch WWE for stretches of time, but we'll always watch the Royal Rumble, always watch WrestleMania, always watch SummerSlam. And it's not necessarily because they're super invested in certain storylines that are popping up in those pay-per-view events, just that they understand that those are big events that they are going to watch kind of irregardless of, of the build. I do think that's, you know, a, a segment of the, the pay-per-view buying audience and probably one of the explanations for why the rating, the pay-per-view buy number is very similar. Yeah. I was, um, I think listening between the sheets and listening to them talk about, um, a TNA pay-per-view from about 10 years ago and what, what it did in buys and just thinking about what, what TNA was delivering on, on pay-per-view it's in, it was in at that time. I mean, at a time where I don't think there was a digital option, right? So that's yeah. what, what they were doing on traditional pay-per-view is what they were doing on, on pay-per-view period. And they were doing in the tens of thousands, right? I believe their, their highest is something around 60,000 for one of the, the, it was like the Joe and angle cage match. Yeah. yeah. Pay-per-view. That's the highest one. Yeah. 60,000. And I mean, AEW has never done a, a pay-per-view that low. Um, and consider, I mean, it's a, to- it's a different TV landscape. So it's not a like for like comparison, but in, in, in that, I guess it just illustrates why this is a, a complicated way to do the conversion is that, you know, I mean, what, what, what was impact wrestling doing on spike, uh, in the, back in the day, like a million viewers, yeah, right? 1. 1. Yeah. Like 1.1, 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. Yeah. yeah. So now if you want to adjust that for, for cord cutting now, it would be a lot lower. Um, but that's even, even bearing that in mind, I, I think there's, there's something different that's happening economically with, TNA in that era, you know, as it concerns pay-per-view and AEW in this era, as it concerns pay-per-view. Um, sure. People are, I think, consuming AEW content in different ways or, or getting by on social media or are, you know, watching in other ways that aren't measured by the Nielsen ratings, but the conversion of people who are probably following this pay, this, this promotion and whatever follow, and however following is, is meant. I think we all have a, a grasp of what I mean, but like people are following this promotion to a certain degree and they are buying pay-per-views to a far greater degree than they apparently were for TNA back in the day. Well, yeah. And you can also look at live attendance. Like TNA could never sell tickets anywhere close to the way that AEW sells tickets. Why is that? Um, What's the difference? You know, like these are both number two promotions in their era in the United States. I would say that Dynamite has bigger stars. Dynamite has a better product. Dynamite has a better reputation. Um, they had Hulk better. Hogan. They had Kurt Angle. Yeah, I went to the baseball. Sh- there was a show at the Buffalo Bison Baseball Stadium. It was TNA Live, and it, yeah, Hulk Hogan, Kurt Angle, Scott Steiner, uh, Jeff Jarrett. It was it was stacked. But I think the product is where Jesse's. I think well, you know Jeff Jarrett's on TNA. Yeah. I mean Jeff Jarrett's in AEW. I, I mean, it doesn't they, do bad in his rating either. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, obviously, like TNA had names, but they were almost all people who were past their prime. AEW has John Moxley. AEW has Kenny Omega. AEW has Brian Danielson. AEW has these people that are still wrestling. Um, and I mean, the product is better. I think the audience is more accepting of a number two brand because WWE. Um, was is not as strong as they were in the late 2000s and their time has gone by now wwe is probably stronger than they were then but when aw first started there was obviously a hunger and a desire um for the audience i mean i mean impact in that era is a terrible product it's really bad uh there's the mistakes that they made are countless how important is the brand and what the what those what the tna brand represented then and what the aw brand represents now 
I think being a, a hot new brand has a lot of um, has a lot of value. And I remember talking with years ago. I was talking to um, an independent promoter, uh, and we were talking about All In, uh, the original All In. And I asked, you know, how come All In, which is really just a Ring of Honor show, it's got mainly the same talent that you could see on any big Ring of Honor show. How come the show that doesn't have the Ring of Honor branding has been able to sell, you know, sell out the 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 arena in Chicago and Obviously, they ended up doing a big number on pay-per-view relative to its expectations. About, about 45,000. 45, yep. Right, which makes it feel low on that chart, but at the time was seen as a massive success. Um, and I remember asking, like, how come that show is so wildly successful in a way that, like, a Ring of Honor show has never been? Um, and the promoter, just in his own opinion, said, well, the Ring of Honor brand is 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 just is stale and isn't seen as, like, this innovative company. Um, as opposed to these guys, even though it's largely the same talent, come across as if they're doing something new and exciting and fans are going to rally around that. And the Ring of Honor brand didn't have any real negative, uh, I don't think had like that strong negative connotations the way like a TNA brand did, where people had kind of already dismissed TNA. I just think that Ring of Honor had kind of reached its climax as a independent wrestling brand that people could get excited about. And the idea of these new wrestlers banding together was an exciting idea that got people into watching the show. And that's why All In was so successful. And I think that's one of the reasons AEW has been successful is because it has largely been advertised and as leveraged as we are going to do something historic. We are going to do something that hasn't been done in 20 years. And that is create a true alternative. We have you know, a strong television deal on a cable network that most homes get. We have a very wealthy owner that is willing to invest a lot of money in this thing that also understands pro wrestling. Um, and to this day, AEW uses that model. I think like one of the reasons, the reason the Wembley stadium show has been so successful is largely based on the idea that people feel like they're going to go to a stadium show that hasn't been done by WWE. The first stadium show um, in Europe that hasn't been done by WWE um, since Jim Londos was in Greece, you know, in the 1940s. Um, the idea that you're going to, this is a historic thing and that you as a wrestling fan are going to want to participate in it in some way, whether that's going live or buying a ticket or buying it on pay-per-view or whatever, that's a powerful marketing tool. And it's something that you eventually can't use once the company becomes established. So if you want to go back to like TNA back in, the two, 2010s, two, TNA had already been established and they'd already kind of reached their ceiling as a brand. I mean, that the the Samoa Joe Kurt Angle pay per view, I be, that's not that 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 pay per view buys were 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 done not when T TNA was doing its highest television ratings. TNA would do higher television higher television ratings a few years later, but they never sold as many pay per views. Um, I think there's there's something to. I, I and this, these are just anecdotes, but I, I, I've not heard anecdotes about, and I'm sure there, there are exceptions. But you don't hear people telling stories about when they traveled to go to see the TNA show. I mean, the the, the virtue of the, their their big events not selling tickets usually that well, I think, is is evidence of that. Versus the people who traveled from around the world to to go to All In. I mean, I, I went to Chicago from Buffalo. Um, the people traveling who will travel from around Europe and, and the rest of the world to go to the Wembley show for, for AEW. There's something about the, the traveling fan that W has benefited from too, that, that adds to, to the brand value or is indicative of other kinds of consumer sales like pay-per-view. I think. I, 
I think AEW is on the pulse of social media and what people want on the internet. And I, and, and you know, people will say, Oh, the internet is such a small factor. Nick Khan will say that, uh, you know, like, but I, I mean, the matches they're putting out, the talent that people are excited in, like that is what you see all over Twitter and all over Facebook. People are, and TNA never did that. TNA would put sting versus Kurt angle five years after it was already done 16 times. Like we just got to put the former, I, I understand that, but at that at that time, you know they, you know, you notice when Hogan and them came in, Samoa Joe wasn't featured as promptly. They tried to turn AJ Styles into Ric Flair. They just they didn't focus on the talent that people wanted to see new, exciting, innovative talent, and that's what AEW does as far as the internet, and WWE does it to a certain extent too. TNA was run largely by people that did not understand pro wrestling in the modern sense. Um, and most of their ideas were trying to rehash ideas that had worked in previous generations of fans. AEW, while has its flaws from a creative aspect, is much closer to presenting a product the way people want it um, and generally satisfy fans and, and doesn't really frustrate fans that much. If they frustrate fans, it's things like the CM Punk and the Brawl Out not being able to deliver those kind of matches. But by and large, the fan base is satisfied as opposed to with TNA. It was often a struggle. Um, I think... Uh, the other thing is, like, I remember asking someone this. This was back when New Japan was was running in the United States, uh, one of their early shows. I don't know if it was, like, the Long Beach show or um, the G1 event they had in Dallas or something like that. But I remember reading and saying, like, the, the amount of New Japan World subscribers from the United States was very low. It was something like 10,000 people. Yet New Japan could come to the United States and sell 6,000 tickets. And I remember asking, you know, how is that possible? How can New Japan only have 10,000 subscribers in the United States, yet for a live show, they can sell almost, you know, half, you know, half of all or half of all New Japan World subscribers going to to one event? I don't I find that hard to believe in. Because where Someone, who, where are the people from who are buying those tickets in market? I assume some are, but I assume a lot were flying in. But even then, just saying like half, that would be like if, uh, you know, if like, you know, WWE would would. WWE has a million subscribers to the WWE network. They can sell, sell 500,000 tickets to an event, right? Um, it's a huge percentage of your subscriber basis to a live event. But I guess, you know, how it was explained to me was that, you know, so many people watching New Japan, not through New Japan Worlds, but they watch through GIFs and they watch through um, YouTube videos. And some of them are probably pirating them or whatever. But a big thing was that it wasn't necessarily like all these people that are buying tickets were the hardcore. I'm going to you know wake up at, at, at 2 a.m. East Coast time to start watching this New Japan show live. But people that just were hungry for an alternative that were enthusiastic about another, you know, wrestling company that is a professional outfit that holds themselves to a high standard that isn't WWE. And that's where a lot of the enthusiasm for New Japan uh, came from was because of this thirst. And that was because WWE wasn't satisfying fans and TNA, which was always around also wasn't doing that. So it allowed for a company like new Japan with, without being able to get people excited, even if those people weren't necessarily watching the shows each week. And I think, you know, we've seen with new Japan, they're, they're sort of run in the mill shows that are not very big shows you know, where, where you're probably not going to drive almost any traveling fans. Those will do in the hundreds in, in the United States, but if they have a really big show, uh, you can get people traveling in and draw thousands instead. Um, so moving on to AEW house rules. Um, the Observer also reported this week that there are no more house shows scheduled for AEW. Uh, 
unclear if there will be any more scheduled in the at least immediate future. Um, so I went through the cards here to see what exactly is, is being booked here. There have been four, four or five, five AEW house shows, one in March, two in May, two here in early, in early June. Uh, Troy, small markets, Troy, Ohio, Corbin, Kentucky, Salem, Virginia, Tupelo, Mississippi, Huntsville, Alabama. I probably couldn't, couldn't tell you where any of those are on a map beyond what state they're in. Tupelo um, isn't really a small market because it's a suburb of Memphis. Is it really? Okay. It's yeah, way up there in I think Mississippi, like, I guess. I think Tupelo is, is like a probably like maybe the Tupelo stand brawl. This, this, this is the mustard Concessions. Brawl with, uh, Tupelo concessions. Concessions. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's actually it's, it is it's actually ninety minutes outside Memphis. I thought it was closer, um, but um, so I guess I, I want to look at the car, the cards here. And I'm wondering if, should I just read through all of these cards? I guess the, you know one of the the premises what, of, of the value of yeah. What point do you want to make with the cards? Well, are the are is 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 one of the values of house shows is supposed to be that given experienced wrestlers who don't have house shows who wrestle on television, maybe infrequently, uh, they're not getting enough match reps. Um, and what I'm seeing here in the, in the cards is that, well, who's working these shows? It's a lot of people with either a lot of experience period, or a lot of people who, who've, you know, already worked the Indies quite a bit. What I don't see here is, um, I don't know the, the Jade Cargill's of the world who've, you know, most of their wrestling experiences within AEW who, and they're not present here. Um, a lot of Ethan Page, uh, some Blackpool Combat Club. Another another point I want to make here is, you know, what's the star power like here for these shows? Um, and it's the biggest names we have here are John Moxley, um, Adam Page, FTR, Dev Claudio. We got Pat Buck get, getting some reps in here with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and QT Marshall. Um, a lot of Christopher Daniels. Uh, you know, sort of, if anything, we're seeing some wrestlers who are like, working in, in dual roles as producers or other office jobs who are getting some reps in here. Um, Sean Dean, who, uh, who books the extras or something, right? Mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy. Um, like there's, there's no Chris Jericho here, obviously, right? There's, um, there's no elite. There's no Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So these are really kind of B shows. Yeah. It seems like these house shows are built around Darby, Orange Cassidy. And like, if you have like John Moxley, those are the biggest, like, Star power on those seems to be Darby Allen. The guns, the, the guns do do, yeah. The the guns do fit the criteria of people who have not had a lot of experience pre or outside of AEW who are on these shows. Um, hook, hook as well. Hook, that's true. Um, yeah, do you have, Anna J is on one of these at least. Yeah, yeah. So, Anna J is on one. Sky Blue is on is on one. Yeah, yep, yeah. And yeah. oh, there's another one for Anna J. Um, so okay, I guess. I don't know if these are going to continue and maybe that's just part of, you know, what, what are you going to do another, you know, what are you, what are you going to do a, a tour of house shows for when you have AEW collision shows to do? And one question I would have is how, when some of these collision dates were booked, were they originally supposed to be um, house shows or were they booked with it already in mind that these were going to be AEW collision shows? We just don't have a lot of clarity into what the timing was there, I think. Well, weren't weren't the Canadian ones originally supposed to be house shows? They were announced that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have to think. Wasn't there one show like the Regina show that like they didn't say was a house show, but they didn't say it wasn't 
uh, it, felt, it didn't say it was television taping and people were kind of using that as a clue that some Saturday show was coming. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, so I guess that's a question for, yeah, go ahead. What do you make of the, um, the house show attendance? Like I know people, Oh, they didn't draw well. Like what does, I would be interested in seeing like, it seems to be about, if you look at that house show data, it seems to be about half of what a television taping would do roughly speaking. Um, and I wonder how that compares to WWE. Like, do WWE house shows do about half what the television has been doing over the last 90 days? Probably depends a, bit, uh, a lot on the market. But I'd be curious to know, like, what is what is an AEW's house show percentage compared to what WWE's, WWE's house show percentage is? Is kind of like, uh, like kind of a direct comparison as far as how important are these house shows seen as by fans compared to how important WWE fans see WWE house shows? Okay, let's see. Um, now this is including some international, which tend to be higher, but let's say the last yeah. we've got, so let's look at the last two quarters, I guess, right? 6,200 is what they're averaging Q2 for a house show, 5,300 in the prior quarter Q1 versus, okay, 50, you know, 62, 5,300. And then if we look at raw and SmackDown, it's doing 9,000 to 10,000 for SmackDown, 9,000 to 10,000 for raw. So is that about half? Um, no, it's, it's a little bit more than it's about three, two, two thirds. Almost. We're talking about six thousand compared to nine thousand. Yeah, it's a little, little more than half. Yeah, and a lot of that, I, 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 a lot of it's going to come down, come down to market. You mentioned international shows, which are obviously some, you know, sometimes some of those international house shows are the biggest attendances WWE does all year. Yeah, and there's probably um, little to none of that in Q1, and there's there's definitely some of that in Q2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just curious to see like. I know people say like, oh, 1,500 fans is like terrible. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what their expectations were for these shows. I don't know if they were bought shows. Um, I would say the first show, the 3,000 number is a great number. Um, subsequently, I'm not sure. Yes, which we've, it's, it was like 2,900 and something according to the, I think that's paid according to the, the records request we did. The report is out there. Um, so yeah, we'll see if that continues. Uh, and, and I, and, you know, the records request didn't indicate that, that the Troy Ohio show in Hobart Arena, the first house show, house rules, house show that they did, had some sort of bought show type element to assure profitability. So it wasn't just AEW doing the show on its own, but there was some third party that was involved to give them, I think, something like a minimum guarantee. Um, so anyway, AEW Collision. Uh, these are the latest numbers from WrestleTix. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shows announced. Seven shows with a WrestleTix count. Uh, United Center latest count is 8,200. 8,200 tickets out for the United Center with the return of CM Punk. Uh, and then the, fo- the following show at Scotiabank Arena, the night before Forbidden Door, still under 2,000, 1,800 out. Hamilton, Ontario at Cops Coliseum, 800 is the count. 800, uh, under 1,000. Uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, the following week, about 1,300 out. Calgary, Alberta, about 3,400 out. Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential Center, 4,100 out. That is the highest of the shows other than in the United Center. And then Greenville, South Carolina with about 1,400 out. Um, so it has been said that these are not great. I would say that these are these are not great. Um the United Center show is okay at this point. I think it'll probably, with the final days of ticket sales, uh, which is this coming week, uh, I imagine it'll get right up to about 10,000 or so. 
Um, Which until, will be one of the biggest, probably one of the five biggest attended shows of the year for, for AEW. I think it'll be the biggest attended show of the year for AEW if it gets to 10,000 so far. That's a good way to spin it. And I think, you know, these other n- numbers, they're not special events. They're not, you know, this return of CM Punk will be a special newsworthy event. Um, you may in have Chicago. some in, in Chicago. They may have some traveling fans for this, probably not a lot. Um, it's definitely not. I, I would think that second rampage, I bet you had a lot of people out of market coming into the United Center to see CM Punk's return after however many years. Um, but they're going to, to Toronto. And, and to think that, you know, you've, You've probably got a lot of people coming in from out of town to go to the Toronto Forbidden Door show the following night. Um, but it's literally, you know, like what, I don't know, it's not a tenth, but it's it's a small fraction of what the Forbidden Door show has in terms of tickets out. Oh, um, I think the Toronto show is like a disaster. Yeah. I think it's worse than the Hamilton show. Really? Why is that? Because you have a ton of fans in the market, many of whom are flying in or traveling in. This is going to be a day before Forbidden Door. It's going to essentially be a go-home show for Forbidden Door. I imagine there's people would assume that there's going to be New Japan Pro Wrestling talent on that show. It's not going to be like typical. They'd be in town already. Yeah, it's not going to be a typical collision. I mean, even if you – I mean, Toronto is one of their best markets, realistically, as far as to sell tickets in. Um, And you're having – you're going to have CM Punk on that show, I presume. Um, Maybe they have a lot of walk-ups. Because people will be around, uh, but I would I would think that that number is very disappointing. I mean, even when you look at like Rampage is the show that you know obviously has is a B show that people don't take view as nearly as important as Dynamite or anything like that. But even the ramp the live Rampages that they do, which are you know the day before, two days before a pay per view event, those will still do significantly better than eighteen hundred fans. Uh, I would. I, I don't know what's going on with that Toronto show. I just. I figured they would sell a lot of tickets based on how many people are already going to be in the area. Um, for yeah, such I'll a give them show. this. Like this was. This was announced. This was added later after Forbidden Door. If this had been announced in conjunction with Forbidden Door tickets on sale, it would do better. I would think. Yeah, but like how like yeah. what Jesse said. How many of those fans are coming in and they add additional events? We see it all the time when like GCW run shows or or like that. Like where those will draw well because those fans are in town. They're like, oh, let's watch more wrestling. The fact that this has done significantly worse than the piggyback rampage shows is really alarming. I think they need to start an, officially announcing some new Japan talent probably for that show in order to improve ticket sales. That help. Um, Gull, are well, you going to uh, to any of these Toronto shows? As of right now, no, but like... Uh, are you gonna, get, the Hamilton one is close to trust. You want to make it a, a 801? Maybe we'll do Hamilton, actually. I, I'm, 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 I'm not booked that day, so maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do... Okay. We'll, 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 do eight, we'll be 801 and 802. <laughs> okay. Gull, uh, Jesse, what were you going to say? I was going to say maybe, like, we'll see what happens so with the with the Collision debut. Maybe that they, they shoot a big angle with CM Punk. I imagine that's probably what the plan is. And we'll see if that, if they... If they, I guess, I guess to the um, the typical wrestling fan, maybe not the super hardcore fan, but your typical wrestling fan, the idea that CM Punk is going to be on Collision and only on Collision has not really been advertised or presented to them. That's something that we are led to believe uh, is is the plan: is that CM Punk is going to be like on Collision, and there's going to be this soft brand split. Um, but if you're a regular fan, you just know that CM Punk is going to be on that first collision, but you probably assume CM Punk is going to be on Dynamite on Wednesday, too, because you see CM Punk, he'd be on all the shows. Um, 
if something where they kind of hammer home the idea that like CM Punk and maybe these other wrestlers, they're only going to be on collision. So if you want to see them, collisions, the show, the place to be, not only does that make all CM Punk fans want to go see collision because that's the only place they know they're going to see them, but it also presents collision as this significant major show and not like another version of rampage, but a real a show on par with dynamite. Maybe that helps sell these, some of these tickets uh, further. Once you kind of establish the idea that, the collision is the CM Punk show, and it's going to have you know CM Punk and these other big stars, and they're going to be feuding on this show. Yeah, um, and that's like the only for, place you to see them. For my own taste, I guess. Like I'm going to the Forbidden Door show. Um, and it's a two-hour drive from Buffalo. I, I can't imagine what would make me want to go to to Collision the night before. Like I can't imagine what could possibly happen on June 17th on the first Collision that's going to make me want me and and, and if I'm an indicator of of any wider interest like what could possibly happen that's going to drive people who are already going to and, and this is sort of around travel plans too i think you know but because you've already made your travel plans to come in say you know late saturday or early sunday and and so you know getting to this other show is not as convenient i mean what if there's a cm punk and fdr versus uh okada tanahashi and uh ishii that's that's better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What if you're booked? What if you're booked to wrestle Yuji Nagata on that episode of Collision? I, I'm not not currently accepting bookings, so I don't know what you can do about it. Um, and then we should note this Hamilton show has a dynamite two days prior. Two days prior. Right. That's the that right? the, the takeaway I've heard. Or the one day prior. Hamilton I keep show. messing this up. Yeah. Is that if because Hamilton is obviously close to Toronto? Yes. That it's just. The reason, one of the reasons that Hamilton show only has 800 tickets out is just they have completely they're going to completely exhaust the Toronto area market. Yeah, uh, by they're, they're not far away at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> is, what would you say? Uh, Hamilton is a one hour drive from Buffalo, I would say, and then it's two hours to Toronto, so it's one hour from Toronto to Hamilton. Yeah, and then when you like fly out of Mississauga, which is like the first Toronto airport, that's like 20 minutes outside of Hamilton. So that's not even like, you know, when you think about that, the first Toronto airport is like 20 minutes outside of Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, now, AW Collision. It's the discourse we've all been waiting for. Um, let's make some predictions about what AW's, well, a couple things. What a, What is AW's Collision? What is AEW Collision's first TV rating on Saturday night? Um, and let's think about what, what competition might be on Saturday night already. Uh, I'm not aware of any, but maybe you guys know, know sports better. Um, and let's say, what is it, what does it do for a July average? And then let's do, let's be adventurous and do a, a August average as well. Um, and for, for reference, I, I brought out the rampage numbers uh, the monthly averages for Rampage and what they did for each month and what the the month to month differences were as that show basically settled. You know, it started out as people know quite strongly, uh, eight hundred thousand in August, six hundred thousand in September, and it basically flattened out to about five hundred thousand by December. So it took you know four months or so to really normalize into into at least you know a, a, a normalized viewership for that time. And it has continued to decline since then. Um, we're not going that far into the future to make a judgment about whether this is really going to fall off into a B show or not. But, um, just for some reference on how rampage settled down. So first question, 
June 17th, AW Collision debut. Is there any competition, and, and what does Collision do for a total viewership and for a demo rating? Um, as far as competition, much yeah. Com- oh, go ahead, sorry, Joseph. Uh, yeah, I was just, there- you know, neither of the Stanley Cup or the NBA Finals, if they're even still going at that point, yeah. which they might not be. Um, the U.S. Open be- is the only major uh, sporting event going on during that. And that won't be on during the nighttime. Yeah. So no serious competition comes to mind. Okay, let's uh, let's do uh, Gullo first. P2 Plus and P1849. Oh, man. Um, well, I'm trying to like... I'd say they'll do... I know you're researching this all week. Yeah, I'd say they'll do 650. Uh, 650. With the P2 Plus. And as far as 18 to 49, let's go... Hmm, this is going to be hard. A... Two, uh, it's two fifty. Might be too low, but two fifty. Two fifty. What is yeah. it? 0.20 or yeah. 0.25? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. Do you do you understand the metric that we're yes. using? Yes, I, 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 yes, I get the. Okay. Me- yeah, um, yeah, that might the be too rating. high. Uh, let's go two hundred. Two hundred. That might be too high. Point two zero. Okay. I don't. Hey, just, man. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna be a little bit more optimistic than Gallo. I'm gonna say seven hundred and fifteen thousand total viewers. Fifteen or fifty? Fifteen. Fifteen. Seven hundred fifteen, and I'll say a point two seven in the key demo. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think a good over under is is um, whatever Dynamite's doing. Like I, you know, I can you see this doing a similar to what a Dynamite does? I guess. I mean, I I have it a little bit under that, but yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of interest in the debut of Collision, whether or not that's followed up in any way, shape, or form. I do think that fans are going to view that as a, as a significant show. Okay. I, I was uh, – without knowing what you guys would, would predict, I would go higher, um, but, you, but you're scaring me. Um, but let's, let's pretend I didn't hear you. I would say, I don't know, what did, what did uh, Dynamite do over the last few weeks? Uh, I know this past week was pretty good considering there was NBA Finals uh, going up against it. But um, let's see. Let's say it's June average is what for Dynamite? Uh, 903. Prior month, May, was 847. Let's go what it did in May. 847,000 viewers. And what did it do for an 18 to 49? It did 391. So let's uh, do 391 divided by the universe. That's a 0.30. Is that crazy? 0.30? That's what I would do. You guys scared me, and if, if uh, you know, I, I make, think, makes me think I'm going too high. But I mean, I think the night is is the Saturday night. I just don't know what the interest yeah. level on Saturday. The Saturday night time slot scares me. Um, I think it. I mean, I think it could be number one for Saturday night in 18 to 49. Do we know significant sports yeah. competition? Have we looked at like what non-sports do on a Saturday night? I'm going to pull up showbiz daily here. Um, so look at the most recent Saturdays. Uh, some of this will have sports competitions, so I'm going to open a bunch of them. Uh, so this past Saturday, so we don't have this most recent Saturday because the ratings aren't out yet, but Saturday, June 3rd. Saturday, June 3rd, we did have Stanley Cup Finals. We had UFC Fight Night did a point two eight for UFC Fight Night. Formula 1, um, my, what am I why not sharing it here? Formula 1 did um, point two eight qualifying. Uh, this looks like a pre-show. College Softball World Series did a point two two. Um, and then we have what else here, uh, for the prior Saturday, May 27th, NBA playoffs did a big number, uh, inside the NBA and uh, pregame formula one qualifying. And this is, this is in the morning, right? And probably what was, what was the other one? 
uh, that was also in the morning, 9.54 a.m. start. Um, if we look at something like, you know, we have a lot of college softball here doing in the, in the teens, one doing a 0.22. Uh, if we look here, we have NHL playoffs doing point four six, PGA Championship at ten a.m. on ESPN doing point two three, Sports Center Liga playoffs at eight forty two doing a point one nine, Premier League in the morning doing a point one seven. I think it. Oh, and do- all that stuff. All that stuff is gone. All the soccer stuff is over. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now uh, the men. I'm not sure actually about Liga men. Is that weekend too? So I don't know if that the men's what college world series will be next will be next weekend as well around the same time as collision. So I didn't know yeah. softball. Did and I guess it, is, so. is, is the U S open going to be on cable? I don't think it is. I think it's going to be on a, I don't know who has the rights. If ESPN has it, then it will be, but if it's CBS or NBC or one of those places, it won't be on cable. That would do bigger than U S open coverage would do bigger than, um, than a uh, collision. But other than that, I mean, the, I don't. I think I don't know if Liga MX is, was still, is still going right now, but I know the major European leagues are all done. Uh, soccer wise. Okay, I'm just looking at, at TV guides to see if I can get any sense of what's what else is on TV, but it's, it's not really working out. Okay, so so that's our predictions for AW Collision uh, ratings. Um, we switch back again. If you want to submit a super chat, if you're watching live on YouTube want to hear your question read on air uh and now we are going to go to google trends which you have not visited in a while um just for a quick update on wrestling companies worldwide wwe um is flattening out and and back on a positive trend uh it's got a this is uh these are standardized values relative values uh as a as a as a percentage of the max so wwe is at a 40 with the uh, most recent month AEW's at a five. Remember, this is worldwide. New Japan is at a two. Stardom and Impact, both at a one. So again, WWE at a 40. Uh, if we take away WWE, so we can look at things at a, at a finer granularity, we have AEW at a 46. New Japan worldwide at a 19. Stardom above Impact with an eight. And Impact with a six. So as we can see, AEW on the decline in worldwide Google web search. Um, New Japan pretty flat. We'll look at other geographies here too. Uh, United States only. You can see a pretty positive trend here in the last. And this this is a, this dashed line in all cases is a twelve month trailing average. So we're looking at everything in, in a in a moving whole year. Uh, but WWE sixty three, AEW twelve. So you could think think of you know whatever twelve is divided by. Uh, 63. That's the percentage to which there is, you know, more. That's that's like almost six times, less than six times, but about five times. Let's say there's five times the search for WWE than there is for AEW in the United States. Um, impact is a two by that comparison. Is it different in Canada? Not really. It's virtually the same. Um, is it different in the UK? Somewhat. Yeah. And uh, we get WWE at a 55 rather than a 63, and AEW at an 11, and that. It's consistent with, you know, AEW's on a better television network, ITV, right? So maybe AEW just has greater exposure relative to WWE versus the way things are in the United States or in Canada, for that matter. Australia, uh, WWE's at a 44, AEW at a 6. So I would say if there is a, a market that is more hardcore, to, and this this would also maybe 
skewed a bit by the fact that there's the Wembley show announcement that may, may be driving more search for AEW um, in the United Kingdom. But uh, Australia, I would say, is is pretty similar by proportion to the United States and um, Canada as, as it concerns WWE and AEW. Um, India, WWE at a 20, AEW at a 1, and Mexico WWE is, is the most searched for. We got some some big jumps here, which tells me there's not a lot of granularity here, and maybe this data is not of great quality. Uh, so we do have some. We exclude WWE, and and we can look more specifically at CML, CMLL and AEW, or AEW, and AAA, and we have CMLL in the middle of last year surpassing AAA, uh, Lucha Libre, AAA Worldwide. Consejo de Mundial de Lucha Libre. I said that wrong. I forget where the day is. I told you. As I mentioned on the show, CMLL is back. Well, CMLL has has definitely exceeded in web search for what it's worth. Uh, There's more people searching in Mexico for AAA than for... Or for CMLL than for AAA. Yes. Mystico, the original Mystico was back. He's back. CMLL. His his original name, yeah? Yeah. And also, I mean, what this this web chart shows you is just the massive impact that the pandemic had on on popularity of, of promotions. If we look at Japan, New Japan, of course, is number one. They're rated at a 62 to Stardom's 28 to WWE's 10. And we can see, you know, as, as probably coinciding with the timing of when WWE lost their television, they're on, I think they're on Samurai TV. They have minimal TV exposure now in Japan, WWE does. And um, Stardom has been on the upward trajectory for the last uh, few years. It's really flattening out. Their growth has, has pretty much flattened here um, relative to where, what it was doing over the last couple of years. But New Japan by far number one. If we if we look at a more granular look and throw in a couple more promotions, we get Noah behind Stardom next, and Dragon Gate is next behind Noah. Um, and this is just a, for people watching video, an illustration of WWE versus everybody else. WWE's a big a big circle. AEW is a much smaller circle. That's I don't know a sixth of what WWE is in terms of worldwide search volume. Um, and these are year-over-year differences. So as we can see, AEW is down, down 23% uh, year-to-date versus last year, January to May. Um, New Japan is up. This is worldwide. New Japan is up uh, 13%. Uh, stardom is up only 5%. As I said, the, the, there's still growth, but that growth has slowed for Stardom. Uh, and that's, and that's, that's with Merce- – I guess Mercedes Monet was in New Japan too. but Yeah. We could look at U.S., but I don't have that prepared. Yeah. Any thoughts? Any thoughts on that? Not really. It just seems to reflect kind of other trends that we've seen, and as you mentioned, that you know WWE up, AW down. You know, Japan and Mexico kind of bouncing back from where they were uh, during the middle during the pandemic years, but those the the damage from the pandemic still obviously a big factor um, in wrestling in both those countries. Yes. So th- those are all the slides that I have. I mean, we mentioned it before, but I think it's going to be very interesting um, once we get to the summer. You look at what is beating wrestling shows on cable overall. It's the NHL. It's the NBA, both of which are going to be gone, done by the end of this next week. Um, on like Wednesday nights, it's like Vanderpump Rules, which is, I believe, also finally wrapping up. Yep. Um, you, you said that so very, I, very quickly, Gullard. Are you, are you watching? I'm not Vanderpump a Vanderpump Rules, Rule, but I have friends that are Vanderpump Rules. I actually have a friend. She's a local comedian that hosts Vanderpump Rule parties. Like she does stand up before, and then they it's do a, a watching party. Yeah, they do it at a brewery out here. It's crazy. <laughs> like, and it, is this it draws is this well. common around the country? I, really? I, yeah. 
And that, that, that would reflect the strong, alive, and same-day viewership that we see yeah. in the Nielsen ratings via Showbiz Daily. <laughs> so are people going, people are going to bars and like watching? Yeah, it? so like there's a brewery here called Southern Tier Brewery, and they do uh, a big watch party. They at least did it with the like Vanderpump, like when they got all the cast together or whatever. Is, it, is that actually in the Southern Tier? This, no, this is like, no it's, uh, it's, it's in downtown Buffalo, but it, was ba- it, it started in like okay. Lakewood. But now they're all over. Like, there's right. one in Charlotte. There's one in Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Locations downtown. But, but yeah, um, but yeah, they had a they have a big watch party for Vanderpump Rules. What could AEW or WWE learn from what you're describing? Where's the Nitro parties? Is what I'm getting at here. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, people don't really watch people. Well, see, WWE pay per views and bars were a thing for years. Bars and restaurants. Yeah. And Wild Wings, Buffalo Wild Wings, Quaker Steak and Lube. That was a big thing too. Yeah, and uh, you know, the blast zones—that's what they call them. WWE blast zones. Um, but the, since the uh, network and then Peacock, like that kind of died out. And AEW doesn't—I mean, that could be something AEW should look into—is partnering with maybe national chain restaurants and bars and doing a big deal, and then maybe in the big markets sending like a star they're not using in a while, or like a like a Mark Henry. Mark Henry is going to be at this you know, AEW, like, pay-per-view watch party in, you know, Toronto or something. I think that, um, but uh, my point was, I think we're going to be heading into some summer months here where wrestling ratings are going to be, even if they don't go up just by the state of competition, they're going to be number one for um, large portions of, of, of the week. I mean, Nothing is probably going to beat Raw on Monday nights over the next few months with no real live sports competition until football. Um, Dynamite, obviously, with Vanderpump and other sports competition wrapping up, Dynamite has a very good chance of being number one on Wednesday nights. SmackDown is probably going to continue to be number one on Friday nights. Is Real Housewives uh, going to be, be out there? Real Housewives, I think. I don't I don't know what like the Real Housewives like a schedule, like if their season is wrapping up or, or what. Um but, um, you know, SmackDown is going to be number one on Friday nights. P- pretty confident in that. And we talked about Collision perhaps being number one on Saturday nights as a real possibility, especially, you know, for the first few months or so of, the, of, of Collision. Um, NXT cracked the top five on Tuesday nights, right? NXT has um, been ranking very well. It ranked number four yeah. two weeks ago, which is tied for its highest ranking ever. It's its highest yeah. ranking ever up to that point was the first episode in September 2020. Sorry, 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and we could talk about NXT a little bit. Like, they're clearly making an attempt to, I think, boost NXT with contract uh, negotiation season starting. They and Nick Khan's talked about it a lot. They, I think, the idea is they want NXT to be a uh, real viable. And uh, NXT is going to expire this year. Yeah, and they want NXT to be a real viable thing that people are going to pay real money to to get on their network, whether that's NBCU or someone else. Um, and I think you can see that by more main roster stars making an appearance. I know Braun Breaker called out Seth Rollins, I think, yeah. on the most Baron recent there. I think Dana Brooke just showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're they're trying to do that. Um, I know Nick Khan was trying to rewrite history earlier uh, in a Hollywood Reporter story that came out earlier this week about NXT's history. It was just, it was I, just I, I, I saw it. it was just a comment from it was something that he had said. He was being quoted from the conf, probably the yes, which Morgan was, was probably from a press release that was sent to the Hollywood Reporter. Could be, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know what the the context of what he was saying, whether he was saying exactly how it read or not, 
when he was basically saying that they had always been on Tuesday. It was being read as if they were always on Tuesdays, and they did this to to address the pandemic, which is obviously not the case. They moved in. Well, it's a complete false. It's a complete false history of NXT. It says that. And NXT was on Tuesdays. It was on, you know, the WWE network. And then during the middle of the pandemic, NBCU came to WWE and said, we need more content. They said, we got it. We got you covered. We'll move NXT to USA on Tuesday nights, just where it's always been, which is just a complete false history. Um, I think you could say in hindsight, wow, we helped them. We helped them deal with with the problems that television faced during COVID by giving them TV that was live and not interrupted. Right. Right. I guess I would like to see the Hollywood Reporter like actually push back against that and provide any formal context instead of just adding Nick Khan tweets to a story or uh, Nick Khan comments to a story about NXT. But um, anyway, uh, the my point is is that we're looking at where wrestling is going to be dominating the cable charts. Probably it's already you know f- faring very well. But you take away the both the NHL and the NBA playoffs. You take away. Uh, maybe Vanderpump Rules, maybe some other shows that place highly are going to be wrapping up as we head into the summer. Obviously, maybe some other um, reality shows or things like that might might pop up during the summer that might be able to be competitive with with wrestling. But we're heading into a period, especially with both AEW and WWE looking at their next TV deals, where wrestling is really going to be the highest rated stuff on cable and has the potential to be the number one rated show on cable in 1849 for you know four four nights of, of the week or so um and what does that what does that mean for upcoming contract nego- television negotiations what does that mean for the health of the industry um what does that mean for popularity of pro wrestling um it's 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 a good it's, i think it's you know it's obviously a good thing for the wrestling companies i think it, we're looking at a, a a period over the next few months where wrestling is going to be the most relevant programming on television um, yeah. i guess if, if i'm a, a tv executive and if i understand you know nielsen ratings then i know that th- this should be a, a a better season than the rest of the year for for wrestling in terms of where it ranks um so i i would keep that in mind while you know while looking at the entire picture of, of what you're doing in ratings lately and how that adds value to the network and part of the and again a huge part of the value of the television rights to whether it's Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Collision, NXT, whatever, is you're getting the 52 weeks a year first run programming. Um, you don't get that in sports, and you don't get that with, you know, scripted television. Um, and, and that value really shows in the summer months where there's not a lot of first run programming. Uh, and I know we're, we're stalling here because of the uh, the ELO, but we're like. We're currently in the 50s here. It's going to take like half an hour to, to really update. Um, but we can see, like, did, did we did we see higher rankings here in in previous in the the previous uh, summer? We did see a higher. If you look over here, well, I won't see it. But if we the the gray bubbles for dynamite are higher in the summer months uh, versus what they did later. Then again, they had better ratings probably back then too. So we'll see if if they actually equal their rankings of of summer of last year. Um, yeah. Anything to plug? Uh, I had a gentleman's wrestling podcast. We had an episode that went up earlier this week. I had Joe Lanza from the flagship wrestling podcast back on the show. Um, And we talked a lot about wrestling criticism and kind of the decline and absence of what I would call good faith or constructive uh, criticism 
towards professional wrestling and kind of uh, how how this how the environment has changed with social. It used media to be better. With, did did wrestling criticism used to be better? I don't know if it used to be better, but I do think that it's different now with, especially with social media, especially with Twitter, especially with um, the amount of concern trolls and bad faith artists that are out there that muddy the waters for real criticism, I think creates an environment where people become extremely dismissive of anything that's critical because there's an army of trolls out there that are going to make the same point. Even if your point is in good faith and theirs is not, um, obviously the tribalism is different. I just, it's a, it's a good, it's a really good discussion. It's gotten great reviews. I think just kind of talking about, um, can you be, you know, is there room and space for, for real criticism and in, in pro wrestling these days? And, um, you know, talent takes things personally, promoters take things personally. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it does seem like it's a different environment than it used to be, but it probably was never great. Okay. Uh, I think that's all for this week. We will be back. I will be back with John Pollock on the Post Wrestling feed and on the WrestleMonks Radio feed and on both of our YouTube channels um, middle of the week sometime uh, with a guest. And we'll be back here Sunday uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, just, just a reminder, we are going to Patreon – Beginning July 9th, this will be the only way to listen to every episode of WrestleMania Radio. We still have the first Sunday of each month free, but the rest of the, the weeks in the month, the rest of the episodes in the month will be on Patreon only. Um, so you can sign up to that for $5 a month plus everything else that's part of the WrestleMania Patreon. If you don't like it, this is all Gallo's idea. So we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>